0: Thank you. Once again, we are, we are here at UJ. Uh, uh, we are working through our new beginnings. Uh, Grace Through Faith Fellowship at uh, University of Johannesburg. And we thank God for the new faces that keep showing up. And uh, we pray that even the old faces will continue to show up and not give up. Amen. And so, we have started a series. Really, we are kind of starting from, from ground zero, so to speak. We have been talking about salvation. What is salvation? The power of salvation? Where does the power of salvation come from? And, and now we are looking at identity in, in, in Christ. And, and, and so, as we continue today, we started last week, I'm going to share with you some of the things which I believe you, you are going to hear for the first time, and they will bless you. But I always like to start with our vision, because it's so important that we be a people that are vision-focused. Because the Bible says, where there is no vision, people Perish. We need to have a vision individually and we need to have a, a vision as a fellowship because if we don't know where we're going, you know, we don't know what we are doing, we'll get confused and, and things will not... we will lose discipline. That's what the other translation says, you cast off restraint, you lose discipline. So vision gives us a a, a discipline, it gives us a cause for living. And so our vision is to reveal the simplicity of the gospel truth for your daily use. In other words, what we are doing here is not just doing church. What we are doing here is we are receiving nuggets that we'll start using as we leave this room. And that is my prayer, and that is our position as a church. And our vision verse uh, for, the, for the week really is Romans chapter 2, verse 2. It talks about, be you, re, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know the good and perfect will of God. In other words, it is the renewing of the mind that is critical to where we go because the way we think, it either locks or unlocks the will of God. If The the quickest way to know the will of God is not to be looking for God and praying and so on and so forth. It is to be renewing our minds so that they agree with the word of God. As they agree with the word of God, the will of God becomes clear to us. And those who were with us last week will connect with what I'm saying. But uh, we will post the the, the message actually on WhatsApp group. And so for those who are on WhatsApp group or email, you will get the message. It's also interesting that the word transformed that is used in Romans 12, verse 2, it is the word where we get the word metamorphosis. In biology, metamorphosis, where a, a, a caterpillar, it starts as an egg, it becomes a caterpillar, it becomes a larva, and then it transforms into a butterfly. So what it means is that we need to change the landscape of our thinking because what God has for you and what God has for me, it is a metamorphosis. In other words, if you try to look at what God wants you to be, you cannot compare it with where you are. Because there is no connection whatsoever. And so God is not trying to improve us. God is trying to to transform us so that we become something totally different. And it starts with the mind. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs 23 verse 7 that as as a man thinks, so is he. In other words, we are what we think. And so, as we go into today's message, it's very, very important that we, we be willing and be prepared to change the way we think. Because we are going to look at part two of when God redefines you. And we are simply saying, we are looking at the power of identity. This is so interesting, because I'm sure you are, you are just enjoying my picture there, where a cat is looking into the mirror and is seeing the image of a, a lion. Is that possible is that real is that is that realistic but just as we are saying that there is in a sense an illustration of metamorphosis of who you are and what god wants you to be they are so different you don't even try to figure out how you can improve yourself the only way is to look to god and god is able to make that transition by the power of the word amen I'll give you a story. This is a story of a farmer. A farmer had uh, puppies, you know, puppies, small dogs. And one day when he went across the river, he found a cub, a baby lion, which was just the size of the the puppies. So he took the, the cub and raised it together with the dogs. So, the puppy, the cub, didn't know that it was a lion, it, was a, it wasn't a dog. So, it would, just, it would just play with the dogs and the cats and, and do everything. And, and, but meanwhile, it was growing. And so, because this cub had its parents across the river, so from time to time, the parents would come out and they would be roaring from, you know, from across the river. And so, the dogs, because dogs, they don't like lions, they would run away from the lion and so this cub as it was growing it was also running with the dogs running away from the lion because it didn't know that it was a lion but then there was something inside that was kind of connecting with this noise with this sound every time so one day this this cub it has now grown into a full-fledged lion and it was by the river and it was drinking the water with the, with, the, with the other dogs. And then the lion came across and it started roaring. And all the dogs ran away. And this, this lion now, it had grown. It looked into the river and saw its image. And it looked across the river and it saw the lion. It looked again into the image. And then it looked across. Then it dawned on him that actually what I'm seeing in this image is the same as what I'm seeing across the river. So it did the wise thing. It crossed the river and it joined the other lions. I'm here to tell you, friends, that many of us, we don't know who we are. We are running away with the chickens as if we are chickens. We are running away with the dogs, as if we are dogs. We are running away with the cats, as if we are the cats. We are running away from that which we are actually identical to, that which we are called to overcome and to overpower in the name of Jesus. I'm saying this because the image is the greatest need in a man. Last week we, we, we were joking when we were talking about women, how they move around with mirrors because every time they want to look and see how they look like. And all they can see is not what they look like. All they can see is the image of themselves. And did you know that men, men's need was taken care of by God? Because your God knew our greatest need. And you may not realize it, but actually... The first thing that God gave us was image. Did you know that? It was not blessing. It was not money. It was not wisdom. It was not intelligence. It was not everything else. It was image. Because God knows that if you have got a damaged image, your life will not be effective. (coughs) You will not be effective. That's why in Genesis 1:26 and 27, the Bible says, I read it from the Amplified Version. Then God said, let us, that is God the Father, God the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, not physical, but spiritual personality and moral likeness. And let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the cattle and over the entire earth and over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. God gave image first. So there's nothing wrong in people that are trying to spruce out their their image. It's important to spruce up your image, but you need to do it the right way. Hallelujah. Because if you do it the wrong way, you'll be doing it over and over and over, wasting time, wasting money, and you'll be frustrated. But when you do it the right way, when you allow God to redefine you, and for some of you, God has already redefined you, what you need to do is to look in the spiritual mirror, which is the word of God, and you begin to see who you are, and you begin to understand, and you begin to agree with what you see in the mirror. Because the Bible tells, James tells us that if you look in the mirror and you see something and you don't agree with it, then you are wasting your time. It's not going to be helpful. But we need to look in the spiritual mirror in the name of Jesus. So what are we saying when we are saying we are created in the image of God? Like God, we are three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You are three in one. And because you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 23 tells us that. And we also agreed that God is the one, the only one, who can be three in one without contradiction, without fighting, without struggle. But some of us, if you are in a room with somebody else, there's fighting. Why? Because there's disagreement here, there's disagreement there. So a lot of people are fighting with, with themselves. Because they look in the mirror, they don't like their hair, they don't like the way they look, they don't like the way they walk, they don't like the way they, the sound of their voice. Why there is the spirit fighting the soul, and the soul is fighting the body, and there's confusion there. But the only way to bring consistency it is to be connected with God, so that the very same power that is keeping God in unity, in agreement, it flows into our lives, and we'll have the peace that we need. So that you begin to like who you are, you begin to like the way. Way you talk, you begin to like the way you walk, you begin to like who you are because you are fearfully and wonderfully made in Jesus name. We also should get to understand that the spirit man is the real you. You don't have a spirit, you are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. The spirit connects with God. The soul connects with self, it's about the image, it's about the imagination, it's about the the, the mind, it's about the will, and it's about the desires, and that kind of thing. That's the soul, and that is self-conscious. And then the body, it it connects with the five senses. And so, one thing that will help me, it really helped me, is that Second Corinthians chapter 5:17 says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new." Now, if you don't understand spirit, soul and body, you will be confused, because when you say "Amen to accepting Jesus Christ, you still have the sinful thoughts. You still have the hurt. You still have the bitterness. You still have the anger, and you begin to think that this thing is not working. And there are times, there are days when you wake up, and you just feel like you're the worst sinner. I don't know if, if 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 I'm the only one. Sometimes you just feel like I don't want this God. I don't want. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to do anything. You just feel like that. And if you don't understand that what has been born again, it is the spirit not the soul not your mind not the body in other words you wake up if you don't have uh, much hair you'll still not have as much hair the following morning if you have not been very good in maths, you still not be very good maths. why because the salvation the born again experience is happening in the spirit and you can't feel it you can't sense it initially why because it is in a different dimension and so many Christians, they are beaten by the devil because the devil will tell you, see what you've done. You are not a Christian. You think you're a Christian, but you have messed up again. This is the fourth time. This is the fifth time. And you can easily agree with him. But when you know that your salvation, it, it took place, the change took place in the spirit. You tell them, yes, this is work in progress. Praise God. But I'm a child of God in Jesus' name. So what are we saying? The image you keep in mind is what matters. If you keep the image of a soul, which is the work in progress, you'll be depressed. Because every time you miss up, Every time you miss an appointment, every time you sin, every time you, you make a, you know something silly, you begin to condemn yourself and you begin to feel like, oh, I'm useless, I'm good for nothing, and you can easily give up. But when you know that, yes, this is work in progress, but I know I'm created in the image of God because I've received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, that will keep you going because it is the image that you keep during the day that will make or break your day. So, what are we saying? We are talking about the power of identity. and Knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. I'll give you four of them. And then next time we'll be talking about how to release this identity. Because it's not enough to just know the identity. It's not just enough to know the power. But we need to release it so that it becomes alive in our everyday life. It becomes alive in your, even in your studies, in your workplace, in your family, wherever you are, in your business, and even in church. Because this identity is awesome. It is awesome. The first reason or the first point in understanding the power of identity is that identity connects you to your purpose. It connects you to your reason for living. If you don't know your identity, you will not be able to know your purpose. It is that simple. That's why it's so important. The more you know your identity, the more you know your purpose. I'll give an example, a very simple example. We are sitting on chairs right now. Suppose a chair does not know that it is a chair, and it's supposed to be set on. Do you know that every time you sit on it, it will complain? Say, oh, you're heavyweight, I can't help it. eh? When are you going to come up? When are you going to leave me alone? Why? Because it doesn't know that it was designed to be set on. But when it knows that it is a chair, guess what? It's excited when people sit on it. Now, if you don't know that you're supposed to be a giver, for example, that's your identity. You'll be so you'll be so worried and bothered by people who are always coming to you. Say, ah, oh, these people are coming. Uh, who do they think that they, they think I'm God? No, that's your uh, that's your purpose hallelujah, to give. But when you know that you're a giver, you're actually looking for people to give. So that you can be maximized in your purpose. Now Genesis 1, we read it again, but I just want to emphasize here because it says, let us make men in our image according to our likeness and let them have complete control. You see that the control, the authority that the, the Adam and Eve were getting, it was connected to their image. It was connected to their identity, which was coming from God. It's also important that you need assignment and authority was given to the spirit man. This was before the physical man was created. Because the physical man was created in chapter 2 and then God breathed the spirit man into, the, into, the, into that body and it became a living soul. So God was giving assignment to the spirit man. So what you were created to do, it was not given to your mind. It was given to your spirit man. That's why when you look into the identity that you are as a spirit being, you'll be able to know what you're supposed to do and you'll be able to receive the power that will help you to accomplish it in the name of Jesus. So spiritual identity dictates what you can do and what you cannot do. That's why Paul tells you in Philippians that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because he is drawing from his identity in Christ Jesus. He is not draw, drawing from the identity in himself, from his mother and physical father. No, but it is from Christ Jesus. Because when you are in Christ Jesus, you can do all things. But more importantly, you will know what you were created to do, what God called you to do. And when you know that man, it is so exciting. Even when you go through difficult... Some people will be saying, "Ha, this is a difficult life, how are you managing it? And meanwhile, you don't even see any difficulty. It's all exciting, it's all lovely. Why? Because you found your purpose, but your purpose is connected to your identity. Also, confidence and effectiveness is in identity. I'm sure you'll agree with me that on the day, especially ladies, when you've done your hair, I mean, you don't, you don't mind spending the rest, the rest, the whole day just out there because you know that everything is okay, isn't it? But if something is not right, even if it's a lunch meeting, whatever appointment it is, you would rather go away and remove yourself because you don't like the image that you are portraying. Confidence comes when you know that your identity is intact. So what are we saying? Unknown identity or a source means lost purpose. If you don't know your identity, you don't know your purpose and you have no vision about it. In Jesus name. And did you know that your identity in God is Satan's number one attack? All the problems that you're going through, all the temptations that you're going through, all the challenges that you're going through, guess what? The devil is trying to exchange your identity. Because when you lose identity, you lose everything. That is the reason. You see, it started in the Garden of Eden. Did you know that in the Garden of Eden, the way the devil took authority from Adam and Eve was to make them believe that they were not like God? And it is still the same thing right now. As long as the devil makes you believe that you are not like God, then you cannot do the things that God has assigned you to do. And that's where they fight. That's why see, he will always come to you and say, has God indeed said it? And for us now, instead of looking to the spiritual mirror, we look to ourselves. When we look to ourselves, begin to say, ah, sure, I can't. Oh, pastor, you want me to to preach next Sunday? I can't. You know why you say you can't? Because you are looking at your history and you have never done it before. You are looking even at your family. Nobody has ever done it before. And the devil says, who are you? You think you are going to be the first one? Forget about it. But when you look into the spiritual mirror and you begin to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I tell you, you begin to fly in Jesus' name. Genesis 3, 4 and 5 5 says, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The implication here is that Satan is telling them that you are not like God. But God said, let us make men in our own image and in our own likeness if you don't know that you are created in the image of jesus christ the devil will make you identify with something else different and his main purpose is to give you an alternative identity and when he gives you an alternative identity you begin to do things that you're not supposed to do because the things that you do are connected to your identity hallelujah that's why you find, maybe some of you young, young, young people you are still in school, you, 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 you may not uh, identify with this, but you get it. I hope you see it from your friends and not from yourselves. We've got lots and lots of people, they go to work every morning, but they hate what they're doing. They do it because they want the money. The simple point is they are not in their purpose. But now, because they are trapped in that situation, they want money for living. They can't help it. So they just keep on doing it, but they hate it every day. They go to work, they hate it. Why? Because they have not connected their identity with their purpose in Jesus' name. If you don't know your identity, Satan will feast on you. And this is even true for, 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 for you students at university, because life happens at the university. I tell you, life happens, we've been there, and we know what goes on. But I tell you that if you don't know your identity, Satan will give you an identity. And there are plenty that can fit all sizes. If you don't like the identity of parting, it's okay. He'll give you the identity of locking yourself in the room and do nothing. Or he can put you in that place where you just think and worry and, and this and that and the other. He will give you something that will fit you. But you need to know your identity. You see, Jesus also was the target of the devil. Why? Jesus' identity was so important to Satan because Jesus came to be the Savior. And so at the start of the ministry, of his ministry, Jesus was targeted. If you are the Son of God, Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, Matthew chapter 4, verse 5, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. If you are the son of God, Throw yourself down and the angels will come and they will carry you. The devil realized that if he attacks purpose, if he attacks your assignment, he will not succeed. But he goes to the root that is connected to your assignment and the root is identity. And when he he gives you a different identity, you'll miss out on what you're supposed to do because you're not able to do it anyway. Because the means for you to do what you're supposed to do it is within the identity. It is within the makeup of who you are. So it's so important that you, you, you treasure your identity in Jesus Christ. It's so important that you guard jealously against your identity in Jesus Christ. Because it is in your identity that you, uh, you will begin to find who you are and what you can do. That's why Satan attacked Adam and Eve's identity. And here we see he's attacking Jesus' identity. And I can tell you you are no exception. You are no exception. And at the end, when Jesus was hanging at the cross of Calvary, ready to finish his assignment, the devil came with the same shot. Matthew 27, uh, verse 40. You know, the people were mocking. If you are the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. You see, the devil knows that the minute your identity is down, your purpose is down, your reason for living is down, and you'll be a disaster. So, what are we saying? Satan desires to give you a weaker and alternative identity. When Satan was telling Jesus, turn bread, turn the stones into bread, he wanted to give Jesus the identity of a magician. Jesus was a savior and the devil was saying, you know, because you are so hungry, you can let go your savior identity, and be a magician. But Jesus said no. And when the devil said, look, throw yourself down, and angels will carry you, because, you know, they said, you know, you, not even, you, you, your foot will not even hit a stone or whatever. The devil was trying to make Jesus an entertainer. And there are a lot of Christians that have lost their identity because they want to entertain people. There are a lot of even pastors who have lost their identity, their purpose in church. Instead of sharing the gospel truth, they are now busy telling people what they love. Why? Because they just want to entertain them. Then Jesus said, no. And in the third temptation, in fact, I've got a series. Your dry season is over. It's a lovely one. Which I just talk about the, the temptations and how, how we overcome the temptations because of Jesus Christ. In the third temptation, we are going to be looking at it. No, we'll look at it in the, in the afternoon service. Uh, 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 Satan showed the devil, Jesus all the kingdoms of the earth. And says, man, all these I'll give you if you worship me. The devil was trying to change sa- Jesus from being a savior through obedience and sacrifice to be a savior as a politician. Just get kingdoms. Huh? Just get all the votes, you just get all the support and so. But Jesus said, "No, no, 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 this is not it. I know who I am in Jesus Christ." Jesus overcame because he knew and believed his identity. Many Christians we know our identity but do we believe it Because if we believe it it's going to change us You can't believe something and it doesn't change you Fooling ourselves And this is how it happened because Matthew 316 and 17 just before the temptations in Matthew chapter 4 the last two verses it says when he that Jesus had been baptized When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. He was being baptized by John the Baptist. eh? And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And verse 17 is what we like. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God was saying to Jesus, You are my beloved son. I am well pleased in you. And the next two verses in chapter 4, that's when Satan comes and says, if you are the son of God. In other words, Satan was challenging what God had said concerning Jesus' identity. And I tell you, Satan will challenge God's word concerning your identity, because it is in the identity. But on all the three temptations, Jesus said, it is written, it is written. Now, the question is, do you know and believe what is written about your identity? Or do you even know what is written in the Bible about your identity? And do you believe it? Because if you don't know it, you can't believe what you don't know. And if you don't believe it, it cannot be real to you. And so people will shortchange. The devil will shortchange you for your identity in Christ and gives you this identity and that identity and the other identity. And do you know know what people do? Because your identity sets a standard for you, right? And if you don't have a standard, we will give you a standard. But I can tell you that the standard that people give you, it's not a very high standard. Why? Because we want it to be easy to get to you. So for example, Ladies, if you don't have a standard, how you handle yourself, how you, ide- how you, you handle your identity, how, how you relate with people, and so on and so forth, guess what? People will give you a standard that is, that is very low. And we have all these ladies that say, ah, you know, people don't respect me. They just come and hug me. They just come and do this. They just come and do that. The problem is you haven't shown them your standard you haven't shown them your identity I always give this example I'm sorry for digressing if you have got you don't want people to get in your house with their dirty shoes and especially if it's muddy and you, you don't like to make enemies and, and so you can't tell everybody who is coming hey please leave your shoes out and you can't put a notice because it's a bit offensive, isn't it? It's like you're just saying, guys, I don't like you to come. Do you know one thing that you can do? And some of you can, you can apply it, it will work. All you need to do is go and buy a doormat. But make it velvet white. You put it by the door. Guess what now? You have set a standard. You don't talk to anybody. When I come there, I will look at the mat before I step on it. Then I look at my shoes. I look at the mat. I look at my shoes. And wisdom prevails. I take off my shoes. I have set a standard. Hallelujah. That's for free. Now I'll give you your spiritual image. Which is the real you. And this we covered last week. So I'll just go through it very quickly. Because we want to get to the the other three points. Number one, you are one spirit with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. You are one spirit with the Lord. You don't have the spirit of God with you. Yes, you have the spirit of God with you, but the spirit of God is in you and you are in him. You are one spirit with the Lord. So if you're one spirit with the Lord, it means that as, as we had during communion, you have the fruit of the spirit because the spirit of the Lord comes with everything that he is. Amen. Number two, you are righteous and truly holy. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 23 and 24. You are not trying to be righteous. You are righteous because you you were made righteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he who you know sin becomes sin so that you may become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Number three, your salvation is preserved and protected. Ephesians 1, 13, and 14. Number four, you are complete in Christ Jesus. How many people have come to you and told you that, you know, you need to make your hair so that you you really be complete? You need to do this so that you really be complete. Or you need to have a boyfriend so that you can be complete. You know, it's university. You need to have a girlfriend so that you'll be complete. You see, you need to have somebody that can help you to pay your rent, you know. This is the in thing, don't you know? They try to make you feel like you are incomplete but Colossians chapter 2 verse 10 tells you that you are complete in Christ Jesus. Amen. Then I like 1 John chapter 4:17, you are like Christ. Now, as he is, so are you in this world. Glory be to God. I also like Hebrews 12:23. It talks about those who are to the general assembly in the church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Your born again spirit is perfect. And I know we've got a lot of people who pray and they read read the Bible because they are feeding their spirit. How can you feed something that is perfect? How can you feed God with the word of God? What you need to feed is your mind so that the mind is renewed and it will understand what has happened in the spirit and you become effective in your everyday life. So what are we saying? Never settle for what people or religion say about you. It's God's opinion that counts. Number three. Your worship and your service goes to your source of identity. Did you know that? If you want to know where people find their identity, check what they are worshipping. Check what they are valuing in their lives. That is where they are getting their identity. If your identity is in money, you worship money. Hallelujah. If your identity is in cars, it shows. Because... Identity will dictate what to worship and when to worship and how to worship. If your identity is in Christ, it will show. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 to 10, we talked about it. The third temptation of Jesus Christ. And the devil said to him, he he took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and only him shall you serve. And the devil left and the angels ministered to him what are we saying here Satan is revealing something that is very important he's saying look if I give you the world you will worship me because the world belongs to me and Jesus said no you shall worship the Lord God only and so your identity comes from God and that's where you need to be focusing on and not on other things. Here I give an example of King Saul. He lost his, his purpose of being king. Why? Because he wanted to please people. He sought his identity from people. If you are a man pleaser, you will miss your destiny. I tell you Samson because he was told don't marry women from the Philistines they are enemies and he went after Delilah and the rest is history Acts chapter 5 we know Ananias and Sapphira they sold their property and they were they were they'd committed to bring all the money to the church and they left some of the money Why? Because they were worshipping the money more than worshipping God. It is very sad. Here's a check for us. Is your identity horizontal or it is vertical? Think about it. Because if your horizontal is to please people, if, you, if, if your identity is horizontal, it means pleasing people, it is about doing what the world does, it's about doing what is fashionable, it's about doing what is acceptable to the world, and that now we read, the devil told us, that's his kingdom. You, whether you like it or not, you end up now worshiping Satan. But if it is vertical, there is only one, was exalted above every other name. And his name is Jesus Christ. Number four. Identity determines the type of fruit you get in life. That's the power. So you can see that when you fix your identity, everything else falls in place. You don't have to be trying to fix this one and fix that one and fix the other. No, because your identity will drive everything. The way you see yourself dictates your victory in life. This is the story of... uh, the 12 spies that went into Jericho, into Jer- in, 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 in the promised land. They were sent by Moses to spy the land. There were 12 and 2 of the, of the 12 were Caleb and Joshua. We know the story. And they came, and they came with grapes that they had to carry on shoulders on poles. They were much bigger than what we have right now. Much, much bigger. But listen to what they say in Numbers 13 from verse, uh, from verse 30, 32 and 33. And the ten spies gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. That's not true. There's no land that can eat itself, uh, you know, its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, Came from these giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so were we in their sight. Remember the carpet. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. And guess what? The enemy also saw them as grasshoppers. Because they themselves saw themselves as grasshoppers. The way you see yourself is the way your enemies will see you. The way you see yourself is the way problems will see you. If you are a defeated one, if you are a useless one, if you are a hopeless one, then the problems will come your way. Because these problems also want to win. I mean, it's just like if you've been out hunting and you can't find anything and then you find some limping animal. You kill it and then you claim, yes, I've got a victory. So the devil is also trying to score a point on you. But the way you think... I challenge you, get rid of grasshopper mentality. These children of Israel, they died in the wilderness like grasshoppers because they saw themselves like grasshoppers. We'll go on to Caleb, but I just want to make something very interesting, point also, talking about identity. Our identity is in God. But in everyday life, we also identify with things, eh, according to our choices. But here we have got a case where Caleb and Joshua, these were the men that had faith in God, and they were the two, only two men out of the millions that were in the wilderness that made it to the promised land. Why? Because they had a different spirit. But, they were in a trap. They spent 40 years in the wilderness, not because of their unbelief, but because of the unbelief of the people around them. You see, the people you hang around, if they have a different identity to what you have, they will keep you in the wilderness of life longer than is necessary. Are we together? These guys were men of faith, but you see, if you are hanging around people that have got a different identity and you have got the identity of Christ, the least that you have to do now is you need to have so strong faith that the environment is not going to pull you down. How many of us have got faith to be walking in the desert for 40 years? And you know you love God, you know there's a promise that is out there, but because you have got you can't leave you can't your colleague there. And some people say, Ah, well, they are my friends. I can't leave my friends. Yes, you can leave your friends. But now, who do you worship? Because your identity will dictate who you worship and who you serve. Are you now serving your friends at the expense of God? Are you now serving your church at the expense of God? Are you now serving your business at the expense of God? Are you now serving whatever at the expense of God? Because there are some people who are destined not to go where you are going. And you need to hear this, especially you, you university students. You know where you're supposed to go. You want to finish your degree, you want to do your master's, or you want to do your PhD, or you want to do your articles and go up, 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 up. But this guy, they just want to finish this degree because they can't help it. They were forced to come to the university by their parents. And when they're finished, then they just see what else they can do. But you know you want to go further. I tell you, these are not helping you to go where you want to go. I like what Abraham did when he was going to Mount Moriah with Isaac and the servants to sacrifice, offer sacrifice and worship their God. When they go to the foot of the mountains, Abraham told the servants to stay behind with The donkeys. Because servants cannot go and worship. It's only sons that go and worship. There are some people that you need to leave behind. You need to narrow your circles when you get to certain things. Why? Because you can spend 40 years in the wilderness entertaining some people, solving a problem that is not solvable. I've made my point. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. are talking of the way you see yourself dictates the victory. Listen to what Caleb had said. Then Caleb in verse 30, he quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome. What are we seeing here? We are seeing that if you agree with the Word of God, And you will experience the inheritance because 1424 tells us, but my servant, this was God now, but my servant Caleb, because he is a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where where, where he went and his descendants shall inherit the land. Focus on your identity at spiritual level and the rest will become history. As I conclude, how do we apply this? Don't live life at a lower level. Psalms 82 verses 5 to 7, it says, They know nothing, they understand nothing. They walk around in the dark. All that the earth is being built upon is shaking. Then verse 6, many Christians, we caught it, but we caught it in part. It says, I said, you are gods, but you are all sons of the Most High. And we like that one. We are children of the Most High God, isn't it? But the first part says, you are God. But you will die like mere men and fall like one of the princes. In other words, if you don't recognize and acknowledge your God-ordained identity and purpose, you will die like mere man. But here we say you are not only human. You have Christ in you. You are not only human. You are like Christ in this world. As we pray right now, I encourage you to just focus on your identity in Christ Jesus and begin to say, This is me. I'm experiencing one thing, I'm experiencing one thing, but my real me, the real me is that one. I am victorious. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I may have failed, I may be going through difficult times right now. But the real me is victorious in Christ Jesus. I may have lost A, B, C, and D. But the real me is that one. And as we focus on that now, we will not die like mere man. I believe that I'm talking to people who are determined to release the full potential in themselves that they will not be ordinary people. I will not be an ordinary student. I will not be an ordinary husband. I will not be an ordinary wife. I will not be an ordinary mother. I will not be an ordinary businessman. I will be extraordinary because God has ordained me for greater things. God has ordained me for greater heights. And as I pray right now and you identify with this, you begin to receive it and I tell you it will make a difference in your life in Jesus' name. And as we do this, we're talking about identity, I think it's very ideal that I will just pray with you all. I know uh, many of you, I don't know some of you, but I, I believe that you're children of God, you love God, that's why you're here. But I think we just want to affirm our identity in Christ as we just confirm verbally that Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives. So I just want to encourage you that we, we just make this declaration. You make this declaration after me that Jesus is Lord. You make it loud and you make it clear. Because the devil will tell you that, oh, you are not a child of God. Then you can use today as your reference. And say, oh, yes, on that day when the pastor talked about identity, I said yes to Jesus. So I have a new identity. So devil, get lost. You see, you need to have reference points. Because this devil is in the business of cheating you. But today can be a reference point for you. So you just make this declaration after me. Say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Today, I'm a child of God. I've got a new identity in Christ Jesus. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Father, I thank you for us here. I thank you Lord for the identity in Christ Jesus. I pray Holy Spirit that you reveal to us give us a fresh revelation of who we are in Christ Jesus how you have redesigned us and our purpose Lord that Lord we don't take second identity but we maintain the identity that you have called for. You have given us, oh God, even before the foundations of earth. I pray and thank you, Lord, that this, this week is going to be a great week. It's going to be a blessed week. I bless everybody here. I speak strength to you as you do your work, as you do your assignments. I speak favor as you meet with people in the name of Jesus. I pronounce the blessing of God, the blessing of Abraham upon your life, because you are already blessed in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the victory. I speak good health. I speak success every day of your life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. We give you praise and we magnify your holy name, O God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.